At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His, and we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Please rise for our first song. Shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore 
Good morning to each and every one of you. Glad that you're here in worship, braving the cold and the snow and the ice and all the stuff. Uh, my daughter, Rose, back in Tucson, Arizona, sends me a message telling me that it was 75 degrees and sunny. And I'm like, oh. And as she was rubbing salt in my wounds, I was putting salt on the concrete. <laughs> oh, my stars. But you know what? If life was only about the weather, how disappointing, right? But it's about Jesus. It's about his love for you, for me, and for this world. And so we gather together in his house, and we just rejoice that he has a perfect love for people like us. So glad you're here. Uh, I want to welcome especially our guests. We're glad that you made your way here to worship with us. Or if you are online and you have stopped in, thank you for coming. We'd like to get to know you as guests as well. So you could do two things. One, stop at the family, um, in the family gathering area. We have a place called Next Steps. And we have a gift for you. would love to meet you or greet you. Or if you'd like to do the digital world, you can text 1CGUEST to 94000. And that'll just get the communication going back and forth. So feel free to do that little bit, we're going to have prayer time, so if you have a prayer that you would like included, um, if you're on Facebook Live, you could put it in the comment section. You can also send your prayer requests with a text, 402-242-5051, and we'll include those in worship today. And then also, we have uh, communion or Lord's Supper. I'm not sure what you have called it over your, the years for you. Uh, here at 1C, we believe it's it's bread and wine or, or juice, and it's also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It's a beautiful gift that God gives to his people. So we want you to join us if, if that's what your belief is. And if you didn't get the elements, 
before the service, during the next song, it might be a good time for you to make your way out by the kitchen uh, window and you can pick up the elements for communion. Then also, uh, coming in, hopefully you saw some brochures, and, and it's going to give you a little bit of information going on, but it also tells you about the theme for the sermon, and then also you'll have some of the Bible verses so you can take it home with you and just kind of look at it throughout the week and keep learning and growing as we uh, learn from God himself, because his word is powerful. All right, so let's continue now as we worship. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. Fear is a light. He will take your breath, stop you and your Let 
time for the kids message now remember kids message it's for anyone that wants to see themselves as a as a kid so you can answer out loud for this uh anybody know what this is a bag a paper bag very good not just any kind of paper bag you see last week yeah it's brown very good um last week we didn't have a kids message but it was valentine's day and it brought back memories and for those of you, do you remember what you did with these paper bags? Yeah, it was like Valentine's thing. So what you do is you would decorate it. So make sure you take a really big close-up of my very sophisticated decoration. Um, it's got my name correctly. And what is that symbol? A heart. Very good. That's as good as I get when it comes to being creative. So... Sharon, you're much better than that, and maybe you can help me get a little more creative. But anyway, what you would do as a, as a kid, and I don't know with this COVID world what you all did this year, but you would you'd decorate it, you place it there, and then you just wait for the moment, right? After you put all your little things in, you come to your bag at the end of the day, and it's time to see what you got, right? And I don't know about you, I just remember one moment, there was one girl that I really liked, and I'm hoping there was going to be something extra special in there, and it didn't happen. Oh, well. But let's just see. What else? What could you get in here? All right. So, example, you can get a little Valentine that's cutie pie. And I think it's very appropriate, right? I'm, I'm not hearing affirmation, more so laughter. It could be a heart. You can get little cards. I remember the Disney era where you'd have a little goofy thing and say, you know, I, I think the world of you. All that kind of stuff. And then you get to the... The other things, where candy would be taped to the little valentine. And you're hoping that it's the candy you like. And so all of this stuff gets put into the bag. At the end of the day, you look at it, and you um, kind of get excited, and, and it's, it's valentines, right? Well, I want to tell you this. The ultimate best valentine really can't fit in the bag. Okay? These things are good, but there's something even better. And for me, it, we have a reminder, we have a cross in back of us that is a reminder of the ultimate valentine for you and for me. It's the way that God says, 
I love you so much. Can't be put into a bag. God loves us with so much love. And he gives us life because of what he did 2,000 years ago. So I'm hoping you think that way when you think about uh, Valentine's. And as you think about this next series, we're going to be talking for seven weeks about love. Love matters, right? And we're, we'll unpack that in a little bit. Uh, I pray that we would understand more fully the love that God has for us. And then we're going to talk about what that love looks like when we go out to others. So let's pray. Repeat after me, everyone. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us by coming to this earth, dying on a cross, and rising on the third day. You showed love to us so we could love others. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in worship. Wish it could be easy. Why is life so messy? Why is pain a part of us? There are days I feel like nothing ever goes right. Sometimes it just hurts so much. But you're
somewhere between 310 and 530 are the number of times that the word love is found in the Bible. Now, you're probably wondering, like I did, why the variance? It all depends on the translation. Different trans, uh, translations of the Bible, like the New International Version, will translate some words more into the word love than some of the other versions, like King James. But in those, whatever number you want to grab, some of those times it talks about God's love for us. It also then sometimes talks about our love for him and for others. And just think about that. God keeps repeating and reminding us that we're supposed to love. And the truth is, if we're really honest, we don't love always the way that God wants us to love. The person next to us, maybe somebody at our workplace, uh, maybe a classmate, we, you know, we get into this thing called sin and selfishness and we don't love. So one of the things that we're going to do now is, is get honest with God and with each other about our struggle with love and our struggle with sin, and then I'll remind you of God's remedy for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and, and um, we thank you for your faithfulness. You have loved us with an everlasting love and you did it through your son. And then you call us to, to love as we have been loved and the truth is we don't. We fall short of that command and we're sorry. And we humbly come before you this morning and and we say, we don't, we don't love you. Um, we don't love others. And um, we need your forgiveness. So thank you for reaching down to this earth. Thank you for uh, sending your son as a babe of Bethlehem. Thank you for his journey to this, this place called Golgotha, where there was a cross that really we should have been on, but he willingly took that for us. So as we think about the extent of your love, we are humbled, we are thankful, and we pray now that your spirit would give us the faith and the love um, to live life in a way that you would like us to. Thank you again, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So just, I want to restate it. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. So the only way we're gonna ever going to be able to love our spouse, our kids, our neighbors, whoever, is because of the love that God has given us in Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you to take that and run with it. Uh, not just within the four walls of a church, but wherever you go um, after church and throughout this week, let's take that love and share that with those who are desperately needing that. Amen.
caught the name of the song. It's Song of Reconciliation. It's kind of a big churchy word. What it means is this. God takes care of your sin and my sin because he loves us. And then we celebrate that kind of love in uh, Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. So if you would, please take the elements out at this time. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you from the scriptures the words of Jesus where he instituted or started this meal. Then after I share that, I will invite you then to take the elements uh, one at a time. So our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
and the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take and open the bread, take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would, open up the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just lift up all of our prayers and concerns to you. Prayers of happiness and blessings for Devin and Bailey Nelson, who were married this weekend. Prayers for our daughter in Texas without power. Prayers for them and me. Prayers for my niece for good results on her tests Wednesday. Lord, please bless her health. Prayers for my son Tim. He was in a bad accident for healing and safe journey home. Prayers for a kidney transplant for myself. Prayers, Lord, that you just bless America for healing and leadership. Bless our son Lawson with a safe and successful surgery tomorrow. Prayers for our kids and grandkids in Texas and all who need prayer. Prayers for the safety of all truckers delivering our needs and goods and the safe return to their families. A prayer for the families who have recently lost their truckers in, in one of the many accidents we've had in our nation's roads. Prayers for a friend battling mental illness. Prayer that he can find faith in Jesus. Prayer, Lord, that you just give me the strength to get out of this dark place I've been living in. A prayer for my father who starts his cancer treatment tomorrow. I pray that he, along with my stepmother and siblings, find peace of mind and that his journey only strengthens their faith. Prayer for a friend who has lost his way in faith. I pray that he finds Jesus and within him he finds peace that he needs. Prayer, Lord, that you give protection and strength and encouragement to all of the medical personnel caring for COVID patients. Place a hedge of protection around me, my family, and friends. Please protect the peacekeepers and the elected officials that we can come together as one as a nation and heal our land. Father, we just thank you for all these prayers that you've heard, that you heard and the ones unspoken on our hearts, that you know exactly what weighs us down and help us to lay all that at your feet and then trust and believe in you. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the dangers of saying a prayer every single week 
is that we just plow through it. Okay? Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. If you feel like you can relate to that, I can do that too. But as I was preparing for the sermon today, I, I, was, I was moved, literally, emotionally, as I was thinking of the last or the, what they call the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. So you talk about the daily bread and you talk about forgiving sins and all that. But then it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Remember, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked, the, asked Jesus, teach us to pray, I believe, yes, he taught them words, okay? Yes, this is what you could say. But I really believe he's, te he's teaching attitude. What is the attitude of a follower and a disciple of Jesus? It is, at all times and in all places, wanting his kingdom and his power and his glory to be evident in me, through me, in this world. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything less than that. He wants that to be done. And yet, just as much as God wants that to happen, there's also somebody else out there that does not want the kingdom and the power and the glory of God to be evident. And that's the enemy. That's Satan. You know, his mission statement is to kill, steal, and destroy he is known in the scriptures to be the father of all lies. And I'm going to say that as I look at 2020, it's, it's in the rearview mirror now, right? We're in 2021. We're moving forward. But you can't help but glance at that and think about COVID because it's still kind of in front of us too. We had a year that's in back of us. Or for some people, and I'm one of them, just the angst I had with the whole election cycle this time. I'm just telling you like I feel. And I think what the enemy wants to do is to use those things to be distractions and or, uh, as another pastor says it, a disruption. That I think the enemy wants to use those things in 2020 to trip us up, to get us away from thinking about the kingdom and the glory, the power and the glory. To, to have us thinking about other stuff that may not be as important as that. That's why back in fall, as I was looking at what was ahead, I thought, you know what we need to do when we start in 2021? We need to talk about prayer. We, as God's people, need to be reminded of the power and the might and the glory of God. And that he is so attentive, and he is so loving, he is so compassionate, he is listening to our every cry, our every word, our every thought. And that he pursues us with an everlasting love. I just wanted us to be reminded of that. And so we did that for seven weeks, called the 40 Days of Prayer. And then I, I was sensing, even back in the fall time, you know what our country needs now more than any? Is this thing called love. I don't know about you, where you find out about love, but Hollywood has its version of it. Um, I remember growing up and once in a while flipping and watching Oprah Winfrey, and she had opinions about what love look, would look like. And if you're old enough, you might even remember Dr. Ruth. Anybody remember? So they all had these opinions about what love is. But we are going to look not just at public opinion about love, we're going to look into the scriptures and we're going to find what God has to say about love. That's why 
the theme, if you, if you catch it, there's two, two meanings with this theme, love matters. So there's going to be certain issues of love, the matters, that we're going to talk about every week. <coughs> but also the other meaning, you and me loving really matters in this world we live in. It really matters. So we're going to look at both. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, um, powerful, probably one of the more known chapters of the Bible. Because if you've gone to a wedding, I would bet the farm, if I had a farm, that 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a, was used at a wedding that you've gone to. Love is patient, love is kind, right? The whole big, then it ends with the words, love never fails. So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to unpack that week after week after week after week until we get to Easter. And on Easter, we're going to have the words, love never fails. And that is ultimately seen in the, the cross that's no longer holding him, the tomb that's no longer holding him, that he has finished what he came to do for you and for me. So we're going we're gonna to go there. But today I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. And um, the first part of uh, this parable that I want to share with you is where Jesus is teaching. Now remember what a parable is. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right? So Jesus is going to tell a story. People are going to be able to sit back and relate and go, yeah, I get that. I understand. I, I know the word barn. I, I know a farmer. I mean, I know some of these things. You're going to relate to it. But then he's going to try to bring it home. He's going to bring the meaning home. So let me just read this uh, for you. There was a rich man whose land possessed or produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I don't have space to store my goods. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build me larger ones. Then I'll say to myself, I have so many good things stored up for me. Now rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And then to whom will all your things belong? And these are, this is where he's bringing it home. Jesus said, thus will it be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. What is it that matters to God? We can go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and we see the story that you matter to God. He loves you so much, he was willing to do the ultimate so that we could be with him forever. But there's another side to this, right? When Jesus was confronted and he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? His response, it was love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Now, what does it look like? What kind of love is this? How can it be evidenced in us and through us and even in spite of us? And that's going to be our journey with 1 Corinthians 13. Now, the first three verses, I think, sets the tone. It talks about what love isn't, and then we're going to get into this list of what love is. So, I believe that when God um, repeats himself, when he uh, kind of keeps going, it's an important topic. 
So here we have Paul, who is inspired by God to talk about love. And in those first three verses, you, you see him addressing topics that I think the world believes is important. That if you have these things, you have love. Or if you have these things, you're going to be successful or maybe even significant. But Paul knocks one after another down in almost a repetitious manner. Now, context. Remember, when, when you study the Bible, and that means when you open up and you look at a single verse, remember and look at the context of what's being written. So the context could be, well, here's three verses from 1 Corinthians 13. But why did Paul write this letter? To a church in Corinth. What's going on? What's, what's he addressing? And that helps you. It's kind of like putting glasses on and maybe see more clearly the message that God is trying to give. Here's the scoop. The church in Corinth is, is experiencing division and discord and hatred. And I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, these words could actually be for the United States of America today. There is discord, there's division, there is hatred. So I think we could bring it 2,000 years into the present moment and say, okay, God, you are speaking uh, to our country today. Also, you're speaking to me personally. You want me to know what matters most and then also what matters least. And that's what this list is going to be when it comes to this, if I don't live a life of love. So here is the list. First one. Uh, first verse 1, it says, If I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth but don't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. So the phrase, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. And I don't, I don't know if you think about that. One of, another place where Paul talks about this, he says we should be speaking the truth in love. So we could have all, all the knowledge in the world, right? We could be able to articulate so much, but if we don't have love, he says it's like a gonging symbol. And we'll just say this, a gonging symbol out of place at the wrong time. Because I'll just tell you, I love it, you know, watching Drew play up here. He's hitting the symbols at the right time, and it's adding to worship. But how improper would it be if I'm preaching right now and he started clanging on the cymbals, out of place, not right. And so what Paul says is if we don't have love, if love is not our motivator, if love is not what's moving us in what we do, it's going to be senseless, what we say. So love, love. Secondly, uh, verse 2a, I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge. But if I do not have love, then I am nothing. And I wonder if this is a little bit of a slant against the Pharisees of the day. Now, the Pharisees of the day were the pastors of the day. And they would pride themselves of how much they know. And I'm wondering that if, if they're missing this love thing, if it's more about them than about God, then you could, you could know everything in the world and that won't get you into heaven. In fact, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, it's not going to change anybody's life when you start spouting off what you know. And so I think here's Paul. Remember, 
He is the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He studied under Gamaliel, which back at the time, he was the number one rabbi. And if your pedigree is under him, you've got something that you could be proud of. But he would even say that means nothing. And if you connect it to this verse, love needs to be connected to all of this. And then we get to verse uh, 2b. Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. Again, that concept, right? If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. But if you don't have love, it's not going to be for the right reasons. I think Paul is trying to push on this a little bit, not just for the church in Corinth and what they're dealing with, but also, we'll just say, the church today. What good is it if we could have all this faith, but it's not motivated by love? What if what we say and what we do is motivated by other things? Again, I think Paul is pushing on this in anticipation of verse 4 and beyond. So he's really trying to debunk some of the things that we think is really important. Because I'll just tell you, I still struggle with how he ends it. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I'm like, how can you say faith isn't important? Or how can you say hope isn't important? I think if he was here, he would say, without love, I think they could be dangerous. All right, verse 3a, if I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body but didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. So if I don't live a life of love, nothing I give will matter. And I'm going to say this is, this is important. This is vital. Because when we think about what we do with our life and the things we give, I mean, example, last week, do you remember? We had... Mary and Danny over here telling their story about how the gospel changed their life. Then we had a group of people over here with new ministries we're starting. And then I stood here saying, hey, folks, we have an opportunity to give our prayers, volunteering, and even money so that mission can happen more than ever before. But here's it. What's the motive for this? Go back to the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's why when we talk about this, this challenge grant and, and we could match this $100,000 and do more, what's the motive behind it? If it's for the kingdom of God, if it's to demonstrate his power and his glory in Columbus, in Nebraska, in our country, and in the world, then, yeah, give. Give your prayers and volunteer as much as you can and give towards this matching gift. But if it's not the motivation, if it's something other than that, I'm going to tell you, don't give. I know that sounds weird. What needs to move us in what we do with our time and our talents, our treasure, is love. God's love for us and, and this love for other people. All right. So, no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I accomplish will matter. I've done my share of funerals in life. 
And I love hearing, you know, what they call the obituary and where people talk about the person's life. But the one thing that I keep holding on to and I'm, I'm waiting to hear, like when I meet with a, a family before a funeral, I want to know, do they believe in Jesus? Because you can have all these degrees, you can have all this wealth, you can have all these things, but if there is no Jesus, there is no eternity. And if there's no eternity, there's no life. So I think, again, Paul is keeping on pushing on this, saying, you know, it's, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about who he is in us and through us. So, three things, just three last Bible verses. According to the scriptures, love is a command. I'm going to tell you before I read the, the, the verse, I wish it wasn't. I wish love was just an emotion. I wish love would just let me go back and forth and, you know, if it feels good, do it. That's what the world says. There are times in the 37 years of marriage, coming up on 38, I haven't felt like loving my wife or kids. I'm being honest with you. Too many times it's all about me. It's about what I want, what I think I deserve, and love isn't the way it should be. But look at this. It says here, love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another. So those moments when I'm either tired or frustrated and I don't feel like loving, God says love. It's not a multiple choice. It's not a true false. It's we just love. Because we're told to love. Now, the good thing, remember, right? Maybe you remember this from Sunday school years ago. We love because, anybody know the rest of it? Yeah, he first loved us. So this command is really backed up by the fact that he's going like this, saying, here's the love. If you're struggling with it, if you're not feeling like you can love somebody and keep this command, I'm going to give you this love so you can do it. For me, I, I love that. He gives it to us so that we can share it. Secondly, love is a conduct. Let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. I've heard it recently. Uh, maybe you've heard this before. Our actions show our motives. Or our actions show our intent. Or our actions show our heart. If we say one thing and we do another thing, it reveals something. And I think here again, uh, we're finding 1 John, and again, have fun with that. Read 1 John. It's not that long of a, um, a book, but it really gets into the concept of love. And then the third one, love is a commitment. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God, and he will stay one with us. 1 John 4. And I think of the... Uh, the context of this, I just wonder if the writer is thinking of the covenant that God has with his people. If you remember the Old Testament, the covenant was, I will be your God. And what was the second part of the covenant? You will be my people. And as we look at the history of this covenant, this promise, God has always been our God. He's been faithful through and through. The problem lies in the fact that there are times we're not his people. There are times we become self-centered or we get distracted or disrupted and things just happen. That's why God took it into his hands, literally, in order to deal with that sin. And when 
Carrie put two pictures in the slides for me and said, which one do you want? I said, I'd like them both. You know, this first one, what a picture of Jesus on the cross and that quote, there's no greater love than this. And think about what the this is. I've had people, maybe, maybe you're one of them, will say, why do you have a cross in the church? Isn't that, isn't that a symbol of like torture and punishment? And, and the answer is yes, it is. And for me, it moves me to think that Jesus was willing to do all of that so that I can have all of this, which is eternity. And here's the other picture, uh, the agony that you see, you know, on, on the face of Jesus, looking up to his father, wanting to do the will of his father, and being so committed to this that even when he was, quote, tempted to come off the cross, he had the power to do that. But his commitment caused him to stay to the very end until he took his last breath and until the payment was given for the sins of the world. That's the kind of commitment he has for us. So as we embark now on this journey, uh, remember this is the, the season of Lent. And Lent is a time in the church when we remember the walk of Jesus as he's eventually going to make his way into Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem to that upper room. And then from the upper room, he's going to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, placed on a cross, put into a tomb. I mean, this sacrificial journey of love is a very moving time. And I encourage you, look at the Gospels, read them, read the story of what, what Jesus has done. But we know as Christians that there was a a victory on the third day. He rose again from the dead. And because of that victory, we then can live lives that are pleasing to him. So may this journey of Lent and this journey in 1 Corinthians 13 be a blessing to you and to me as we look at what matters most and look at this love that he's given us. I'd like to give us an opportunity as we move forward in this worship service uh, to make a profession of what we believe about this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to use the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand. Together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
nothing can separate Even if I run away Cause your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day
everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord.